All right, fellas, we're back at it. Welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungamak. I am the founder and curator of this show. I hope that you love it just as much as I love putting it together. The reality is, a few years ago, I looked around and I decided, you know what? This is not the man I want to be. I'm not becoming the man I want to be. And I don't see a whole lot of examples of it around me. And so I decided to do something about it. And this is the product of my adventure. This is what has come of my desire, my passion, my drive to be the man of God that he created me to be, to serve him and serve him only. And I couldn't be more excited to share all of that awesome content with you. And one of my favorite things about doing a show like this is meeting other men who are absolutely head over heels in love with Jesus. And that's exactly who we have on the show today. I can't wait to introduce him to you. But before we do that, we got to talk about our sponsors. Now, you have heard about the CDC recommendations. And unfortunately, the 7th Annual Iron Men of God Men's Conference has been canceled. But that doesn't mean they're not sponsoring this episode of the show. Christian men may face Many challenges in our increasingly post-Christian world. One of the most important challenges Christian men face is dealing, is defining what it means to be a Christian living in this world. Iron Men of God, formed in 2014 by a group of laymen from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Exonia, Wisconsin, works to address this challenge through the Iron Men of God Men's Conference. Each year, Iron Men of God Men's Conference speakers help attendees sharpen and strengthen their faith by using God's Word to clearly define our roles as husbands, fathers, sons, and leaders in our families, churches, and communities. Attendees are also encouraged in their faith by their fellow brothers in Christ. Join us for our conference next year and be strengthened and encouraged in your faith as well. Now, gentlemen, it truly is disappointing and sad that we won't be getting together um, at the Iron Men of God Men's Conference in Exonia. It really is sad, and I'm upset about it. Um, But I understand the need, I respect the decisions that are made, and I also want to stay healthy just like you do. I want to keep uh, give our medical medical teams across the country a fighting chance. Um, So I understand the need, and I will respect the uh, government's recommendations here, and uh, I get it. I get it. I hope this means that you'll have more time to listen to podcasts, and I'll do everything I can to get some good content out for you guys to listen to. And I would also encourage you to make sure this does not mean that we give up meeting together, whether it be via FaceTime or phone calls or that kind of thing, or whether you want to get together in small groups. Um, Man, don't stop getting together. Follow all the recommendations of the CDC. Follow all the recommendations of your local authorities. But don't stop getting together. Don't stop digging into the Word. Don't let social distancing or whatever you want to call it don't let social distancing separate you from the love of the father or the love of your brothers and sisters in christ this episode of the great up podcast is also sponsored by pastor paul steinberg and the christ for disciples podcast every weekday pastor paul puts out a devotion for those who are discipling the next generation if you work with kids if you are around kids if you have kids it's a great resource to help you prepare your heart and your mind to raise up those kids to be the next generation of people who love jesus go give the christ for disciples listen podcast a listen you can find it on 
Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, just about anywhere else that you can find a podcast, you can find Pastor Paul's podcast, the Christ for Disciples podcast. Go give it a listen. Send him some love. Appreciate what he does, especially now that you probably have kids at home with you. And let's get on with our interview today. Blessings. Here we go. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. We have a guest today. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Who are you? I am Peter Georgeson. I'm the president of Wells Lutherans for Life. We operate a pregnancy care center and programs around that in West Allis, Milwaukee. So what is a pregnancy care center? Like what, what do you do? What, what, are you, what services do you offer? That's a great question. So historically, a pregnancy care center helps women understand that the child they're carrying is not just a blob of tissue and that it's a child valued by God and that the pregnancy care center and its staff and its supporters are there to help that mom through the process so they can, she could make a choice for life. Sweet. So like what kind of stuff do you do then? Well, we, we first identify that she's pregnant. We offer free pregnancy testing, um, and ultrasounds. We, if she chooses life for the child, she, we offer pregnancy or uh, parenting classes. We offer um, second trimester gift packs for herself, so kind of a pampering pack as as she's getting larger and realizing that the baby's there. Um, third trimester um, baby starter gift packs that used to be called a layette, and that's got little onesies and diapers and things. We usually put some materials in there, um, devotional materials. At, at that time, we talk about baptism because um, as Lutherans, that's very important to us. And we, uh, if a mom chooses abortion, we are there with her um, ready for post-abortion support afterwards. But that's not only for the moms and the women, it's also for men. We've had men in there counseling for that um, also. So when, how do people find you to be like the, like you guys, you know, you're not like doctors, right? Um, you do have nurses on staff and everything. And we um, are we are a medical clinic because we're doing the ultrasounds. Okay. Did I mention ultrasounds? Um, right. So we're doing ultrasounds. We are a medical clinic, uh, doing limited ultrasounds, but we are a full medical clinic under a doctor's um, auspices, so okay. to speak, a volunteer doctor and a, a nurse manager who makes sure everything is clinical and taken care of and appropriate and proper that practices and procedures are being um, managed properly. So could you guys do like everything from the beginning all the way through like right? Obviously, you don't deliver babies. Correct. Okay. But like everything in between you guys can handle? We don't do prenatal care okay. um, and things like that. We just choose not to. Uh, there are plenty of places that we can refer to for those services, but we chose choose to stay focused on just our primary goal of identifying the baby, um, helping the mom realize that it's a life and walk her through that process. So um, so how do you get 
moms into your clinic? Yes. Good question. We advertise. We have a we have a client facing website, and where and we do Google ads and um, search engine optimization for that. We also do Facebook. We have a Facebook page for clients, and we do use that primarily for advertising to market to the client, the target market. And the target market is anywhere from say 15 years to 34 years or beyond. And are you called Lutherans for Life on online, like everywhere? No, our organization, the support organization, the donor side is Wells Lutherans for Life. The client side is APS Medical. APS Medical, what does APS stand for? Associated Pregnancy Services. Okay. Historically, that was our name. When we became medical in 2017, we be, we just shortened it to the acronym and put medical on it. Okay. It sounds kind of, you know, medical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they say they're medical, so. Yeah. So um, do are, when women come to you, do they come to you like thinking they're going to get an abortion? Or are they coming to you for, um, are they coming to you because they don't know? Or why do they choose you and not, you know, choose a doctor or choose their, you know, care physician or something? Another great question. Um, some do think they're coming to us to get an abortion. Uh, we never say that. and It states on our website that we don't perform abortions. Um, if somebody calls and says, hey, how much is an abortion? We can tell them how much, but we won't tell them that we will do that. Uh, we never lie to them. Um, but they, they sometimes do think that we are an abortion provider. Uh, we clear that up as soon as, they, as when they arrive. We don't we don't hide that fact at all, um, and and that's where we start talking to them about their options right away. So, do they ever get people ever get angry? Like some have, and- yeah, some have, and and the girls don't always, but the the par- partner person who may have brought them a boyfriend or a mom or a grandmother might get angry, um, and they'll they'll let us know. But some of the girls do too. They you know we wasted their time. Well. They 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 didn't really explore enough if they came thinking that they had an abort or w- could acquire an abortion with us. Right. Yeah. It's a fair point. Like it says right there. That, right. Yeah. Well, and, and frankly, you know, it's it is a, when you recognize it as a life that changes your attitude about maybe making somebody a little upset with sure. You. Yeah, I can understand <laughs> that for sure. So, um, when somebody comes to you and says, "I'm considering an abortion," or you know, I, I, I want to get an abortion or something like that. What's your approach then? We start talking to them about the value of the life, that it's it's really not a clump of cells. And um, that's where we offer the option to see an ultrasound. So if they are interested in an abortion in the state of Wisconsin, they're required before an abortion is, is um, done, they are required to have an ultrasound. Um, Planned Parenthood and abortion facilities um, charge for an ultrasound uh we do not um we are we we are able to say you can come and get a free ultrasound at that point then they will see the baby they will see the heartbeat if they are pregnant um they will see the heartbeat and that's when they have an opportunity to go like wait a minute that's not a clump of cells um we we had a a young man come in with his girl and if I can tell a story right here, um, he came in and they had an ultrasound and he was looking at the, you know, and they were abortion minded. 
and they the baby appeared on the screen and they we have a large television screen so they don't have to look at the little monitor and the the sonographers pointed out the baby and he said that that's my son it, it's a boy right that it, it's a that's my son and right there we knew they were going to choose life because yeah. she had his support and he felt happy that he was a, a dad yeah that's awesome yeah i like that so does that kind of thing happen a lot not a lot but sometimes um sometimes the especially with the guys they're not always uh vocal and that's part of one of one of our our big pushes this year is to develop our fatherhood program um and and that's really to make the dad a part of the process uh, the law has stated that it's a mom's decision. It's her body. It's her choice. And um, as we were talking before the um, podcast began, men don't have, they've been kind of emasculated. Um, they aren't given that opportunity to be the man, to be the support. It's, it's like, well, if you don't have a womb, you don't have a voice. Um, it's my, my body, my choice. You just have to be quiet. Um, and, and when we make them part of the decision, the, that's when the girl feels support because she, she doesn't want to be a parent alone anyway, most of the time. Um, and if she, if she feels the support from the dad, um, I believe it's 86% will choose life. Abortion minded moms will choose life if they have support from the partner parent. Yeah, well, I, the reality of most of these situations is that they weren't expecting a child. Right. Like, they weren't going into this saying, like, let's have a baby. Exactly. They, you know, it's, it's a far different situation. Like, it's a night of fun or a relationship mm -hmm. that, you know, whatever. It, it's not, you know, let's have, a, let's have a baby together. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a, I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have a lot of people that come to you um, and say, like, so do you have a lot of people that are coming to you because you are offering the free services or are they mostly coming to you because of abortions? Mostly the free services. Okay. We Part of our targeting um, and our marketing is trying to reach the abortion-minded moms and the dads. Um, another, another little aside, some of our Facebook um, advertising, we target toward a, a certain age and of women. And one time the social media person forgot to tick the box for women and it went to all and she she uh, admitted to me later she was like oops i just you know forgot but the cool thing is more men were clicking through than the women so mm -hmm. to us it was kind of like a light bulb turned on like hey we have a, a bigger audience than what we were targeting maybe we need to be doing more of the all instead of just targeting women uh, especially if they're going to be helping find or identify or lead the mom to the abortion facility or the, the place where they're going to get information. Huh. Do you ever have the opposite going on where it, um, you have a man who wants to keep the child and the mother doesn't? It has happened sometimes. Yeah. Not often. Uh, we've, we've gotten calls. Well, I don't, I don't know a lot. Okay. I don't, I don't get a lot of the inside because I'm at the ad administration side okay. of the yeah, organization. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we have had men who have called and said, my, my girlfriend's planning on aborting our baby. What can I do to save the baby? Um, and at that point, it's been too late for us to really work with the mom unless he can bring her in. Um, and then it's like, sorry, dude, you know, the loss, <laughs> the yeah. law says it's hers. 
It's up to her. Um, and, and statistically, men suffer post-abortion uh, syndrome, if you want to call it that. People say it's not a syndrome, but men feel the regret of abortion almost as much as women do. I don't know statistically if that's 50% or 70, but, but men have, um, it, it, it's an overlooked population when mm -hmm. we talk about post-abortion support, um, because we know the woman has had that abortion. She went through it. She felt the, you know, all of this stuff and she's feeling the after effects, but the men do too, especially in, and I'm thinking too, here, here's a man created in, you know, God created him with a protector um, mentality and he couldn't protect his child especially if he desired that child a lot of guys they, they'd rather pay to have it aborted you know but not all of them a lot of them want that baby um, and and when they can't protect that child they crumble I remember hearing a story of uh, it wasn't one of our clients but a young man who um, ha had been involved with an abortion and he actually hung himself in the garage and found the, the family found a little book beneath his feet and it detailed all of what he was going through and why he killed himself um, and it, it trailed right back to that abortion and not being able to save his child yeah I guess we always think about like the physical things that are going on don't necessarily think mm -hmm. about the emotional side right huh interesting interesting so how do you start that conversation if somebody says you know I need an ultrasound and I'm going to get an abortion, do you come in and do you say, you know, it's not a lump of cells? Like, how do you get into that conversation? Again, I'm not the, the qualified person here. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's a gentle process, and the advocates, the client advocates that we have on staff, our volunteers or paid staff that are working with those moms and dads, uh, they carefully walk them through it. It's a process. It's not a cut and dried. This is step A, step B, step C. Um, but it's a process of just you know getting to know them, because we're there to serve them. We don't want to serve them an abortion. We want to serve them with what they need mostly, and we know what they need is compassion and love and respect. And then we can, if we can, just put the stall on the abortion decision that takes a lot of the pressure off then we can talk about it and let's let's work through this process oh and by the way you know once once that happens we have support for that and we have parenting classes and but to get them to the ultrasound um it's like would you like to see your you know would you like to see that you know that you are pregnant you know we can we can identify how far along you are things like that yeah so this is a little bit, this might be a tan, this is definitely a tangent. So how, as you're saying that, in my brain, um, I started thinking about, obviously in my brain, I think in my brain. <laughs> so the, there's, there's a weird dynamic to that too, where if you're delaying an abortion, um, like if somebody is in the end going to get an abortion, obviously you, you want to delay it as long as possible and give as many chances to not get the abortion as possible. Sure. Yep. But there's also, this is the first time I've ever thought about it this way. I think maybe that's why mm -hmm. I'm thinking so hard on it. But there's also the reality that the long, the more the child develops before they're aborted, mm -hmm. and obviously the abortion is, heaven forbid that the abortion actually happens. Sure. But the more the child develops, the harder it is on that child too, as their life ends. And that's a weird, yes, I never and thought no. about that. Um, they, they say that, um, 
uh, now the, the courts are kind of identifying that or allowing or realizing that a baby feels pain at 12 weeks. So maybe we shouldn't, um, shouldn't do abortions after 12 weeks. That's kind of a, a thought out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if I wouldn't say that it's harder on the baby the older it is. No. Um, in my opinion, a baby is a baby. Um, it's a smaller, Fair enough. it's not having like complex thought. I yeah. Guess. It's yeah. a smaller fetus. Um, the, and, and if, if you saw the movie unplanned, um, one of the, one of the things described in the abortion that was, um, the crux of the, of the flip was that on the ultrasound, the person helping saw the baby pull away from the needle or something mm-hmm. or the the tool um so it 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 even as a little baby was trying to flee you know it already had that fight or flight kind of response um so i wouldn't say that it has you know it's more it's it's harder for the mom yeah it complicates the abortion you know but we're also not talking about let's let's think about this for three months we're talking about you know when when we say let's just whoa slow down you're six weeks pregnant. You're maybe eight weeks pregnant. That's about when they're some they're coming to see us. Generally, we're we're finding them early. Not always. We find you know some sometimes women come in and oh you're three months pregnant, uh, and they and they don't know. Um, but it, early on, we just want to stall the thought, the the freaking out of oh my gosh I'm pregnant and I've got to have an abortion, um, just so that they can get out of that fight or flight mentality mm-hmm. and think clearly. Um, so it's, it's, it's like, let's just take our time. You know, we can, we can sit here for a little while or you can come back tomorrow or, you know, that's, that's the thought. It's not a, let's take three months and think about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a, you know, okay. I, I don't know if you got that from my, <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I never, I, that's something I hadn't, that, that pro- thought had never come in my head before to mm-hmm. consider that end of things. And that, sure. Yeah. Oh, I just think about stories I, I've heard particularly in like in, in in books, I think, but where you hear a story of somebody who's, you know, you know, they're coming to a place like yours or they're talking to somebody at a church or something mm-hmm. and they're saying, you know, I, I, I'm going to do this. And then either something, you know, happens and they can't mm-hmm. or they choose not to. And then like once a month, they keep going back to the, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And they eventually oh, sure. get to that point. I just like, how, how, how late can you have an abortion? In I'm not well, sh- here, yeah least, in I- Wisconsin I'm not sure what the, the what the limit is, but generally across the country, um, you can find an abortionist that will do it up to birth. Really? Yeah, and I believe there's an uh, um, a abortion facility in Illinois, northern Illinois, right across the border that people in Wisconsin will go to um, late for late term abortions. Hmm. You talk about hard. Those are complicated abortions. Yeah, I'm sure. It's it's not just a a simple procedure any longer. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, you start having a conversation with a young lady, and you mm-hmm. at least convince her not to have the abortion right now. Mm-hmm. What are the next steps then? I uh, <laughs> tough que- <laughs> tough questions. This is a tough crowd, Charlie. Um, the again i'm not sure exactly how our our advocates would proceed through that but it's it's a constant 
um, considering where the where the girl is and showing love and compassion for her primarily. Um, it used to be, and and the abortion advocates say, oh yeah, you Christians, all you care about is saving the baby, and you don't care about helping anything after helping the mom or the family afterwards, and that's far from true. Um, but just just showing love and compassion and letting them know that we are here for you, and we want to walk with you through this path. You know, we're not you're not alone, and we can help you through this. Yeah, awesome. So they can keep coming back to you then for. Um Wait, you don't, not prenatal care. Right. So what do they come back to you for after that? Encouragement, um, supplies, um, parenting classes. If they're choosing life, the parenting classes. So the, the first parenting class that they can be in right away. So they learn about themselves and the developing baby in their womb. Um, it and, and then they can keep on going to parenting classes or coming to parenting classes uh, through the child's birth up until the child is five years old. So okay. a, a good long time. And they're, they are incentive-based classes. So when they uh, earn the baby bucks, they can shop in the baby boutique and get things for themselves and or for the baby. And that's that's ongoing. And are these mostly, what is like, is it mostly low-income families and low-income girls that are mostly. That you're serving? Yeah. Okay. Mostly. So would it... <laughs> would it do you ever have people that are just like trying to save money by going to you instead of going somewhere else there may be you know, yeah okay i suppose it doesn't really matter to you guys nope. you get to care for them we're here to care and love yep. yeah i don't know but but again you can't you don't do the prenatal care right? right so they do at some point have to go see a doctor yes yep. and you guys help them with that we process can help too if yes you, if they we need, can help right? them find a doctor sweet yep all right. So once the baby's born, what are, what are the parenting classes and like? What does support support look like after that? Okay. Uh, then then they can get diapers. Well, they can di- get diapers earlier if they want. I think. Um, but when you're pregnant, you probably don't need the diapers right then. And people may not be thinking, "I'm going to bank on diapers and <laughs> stock <laughs> up." I probably shouldn't make this joke, but the baby doesn't need the diapers. But that's <laughs> probably I shouldn't have said that. But <laughs> but, but the the parenting classes then are about how to care for the infant. Um, there's relational things Um, we just had somebody come in and talk about abuse um, and things like that so it's it's uh, the instructors that we have and the curriculum that we use is flexible enough and thorough enough that it covers a lot of issues that's awesome do you get a lot of people that go from um, basically you know that moment of finding out I'm pregnant that stay with you then for the five years until the child's five. So it's we, essentially six years. Yeah, right? we have had some, um, and I know there's one mom for sure. Um, I'm going to be writing an article about her actually sharing that um, in the near future. Uh, but yeah, some do and some don't. Some some move on, you know, for whatever reason, and we don't see them again. Do you have Do you have them on like the back end where like? Either really late in in pregnancy, they're coming to you for ultrasounds or things or, or stuff, like to, or, or like supplies, or even after birth where they're coming to you for the first time. Or oh yeah, yeah, do? yeah. The the parenting support and the diaper support, the monthly diaper support is the we we provide monthly diaper support, um, outside of the parenting classes. So somebody can come on a monthly basis and get a small amount of diapers. We try to encourage and educate at that point too doesn't always work, but um, they don't always give us the time. 
to sit down and have a lesson of sorts, but we, we try to talk with them. And each time and everything we try to do, we also try to wrap around uh, with getting, getting to share Jesus because uh, that's our goal. We want to share Jesus and actually help, help them, um, their heart, not just their body. Um, but yeah, we do, we do allow people to come to the parenting classes that haven't come through our pregnancy services. Uh, so there are out, outside resources, um, referrals that will refer people to our parenting classes. Sweet. Yep. Yeah. So are you guys able to build like a sense of community at all? Really? Yes. Yes. Some, um, there have been some like parenting classes that have really bonded. Um, one of our earliest ones, um, this is quite a f- number of years ago. We had this, this is, if I can tell this story, it's a, Go ahead, a man. um, kind of a combined story. So we had a, a client who came in with her boyfriend. Um, she came into the counseling session, the room by herself. Um, he wasn't really interested, didn't want to follow her. Um, it didn't take too long before our advocate advocate realized that she was just there for an abortion and he came, brought her for that. Um, she was interested quite early in, well, you, you can help me and you know, it's a baby and things like that. So she decided she was going to keep the baby and she went out to the lobby and told her boyfriend and he got up and I, I didn't witness this, but he got up and stormed out and left her there. He drove away. Um, and she turned around to the advocate and the receptionist and said, I don't know what to do. I don't have a ride. I don't have a place. I don't have any friends. I just moved to Milwaukee and moved in with him. And that was it. So she was left high and dry with a baby. Um, so she, she joined the parenting class. Um, I'm not sure what all, what all resources we were able to help her with if we were able to help her find a place to stay. Um, I don't remember, but... I know that she and the moms in the class at that time, it was just moms, um, they bonded. And there was another mom who um, one, one day this, this mom, the first one, came in with mitten, uh, socks on her hands in the winter. She didn't have mittens. And the, another mom used some of her baby bucks and bought uh, gloves for this mom. And they were just, they, like you said, they bonded. They had a, a real community. And the parenting uh, educator was part of that community too. But it was the moms. They, they yeah. really do get tight. Awesome. Is that, yeah. is that something you guys have ever considered? Is like, I don't know if it would be like a community center or something almost. But like, I don't know. I guess you don't really just hang out. But you know, like, <laughs> is that something you guys have ever really even thought like thought of not not really um in that like you say but there there are times when the moms just don't leave after the, you know <laughs> it's an hour class right yeah and they're there for a good hour and a half two hours and still hanging around and you know they take their time shopping through the baby boutique and and granted the baby boutique has grown over the years it used to be a little closet um about six feet by five feet now it's a a room that's uh 12 by 12 or so um and there's a lot of things in there to shop for or shop through. Uh, but yeah, they spend time talking to the educator, asking questions, sharing. Um, and so it, it continues. The The community is there. Yeah. I don't know. I just like, it wouldn't be kind of, I don't, so I don't, do, let's start with here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you guys get a lot of connections then where you have non-Christians who be, who then are connected to Christ at all? Is that... There are some. There are some. Yep. 
Yep. And we try, we, we are a Lutheran group, but we don't necessarily try to direct them just to Lutheran right. churches yeah. because they may come from a, a background of Baptist or Catholic. Um, we aren't trying to proselytize or turn them somewhere else. Um, if we have a chance, we do direct them to a Lutheran church. But if they have a church near them, uh, we'll, we won't encourage them to leave that church or to go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, wouldn't it be cool to have like a, I'm, I'm not I'm not putting this on you. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> wouldn't it be cool to have like a, like a community center and like youth stuff? Mm-hmm. And I, and really we do have that, it, that's church. I mean, sure. yeah. I mean especially yeah. when in, in uh, like places like garden homes where you have, you mm-hmm. know, something for families from three years old through you know, 18, 19 years old. Sure. I mean, there is, I guess there's like a two year gap there where you got to yep. find a babysitter, but <laughs> otherwise, I mean, that really is. Yeah. But that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and that actually brings up, um, there's a program that our, our national organization CareNet puts out. It's called making life disciples, which is really, um, helping us as a pregnancy center, as a parachurch organization, connect to the churches who, uh, who the church is the hospital for the sinner. Right. The church is the place for that community that you're talking about. We aren't really. I mean, we could do that, but it is really the job of the church. Yeah. And, and our job is to help connect people to Jesus, but not to keep walking with them in Jesus. Yeah, right. We exactly. don't do the sacraments. You know, we don't do, we don't do community quite job. like that. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, the, we're the paramedics in a life situation and we want to take care of that immediate need and then hand them, hand them off to the hospital. And that's connecting them to the church then. So the Making Life Disciples actually is a program that we have that we want to share with churches, which is helping get people in the church who want to connect with our people, our clients, and you know have, have a natural connection for us to be able to say, you know, you know, Susie, we have some people in this church and, you know, here's Mr. and Mrs. Jones, and we'd love you to con- connect with them and Mr. and Mrs. Jones, we're going to be sending Susie over. Here's the phone number. Here's, you know, connect with them and it, welcome her to church when she shows up or yeah. pick her up and bring her to church. And so, you know, this young pregnant mom doesn't go into a church and not feel welcomed or feel a part of it, but embraced. And, and then it, it's also... Not all of those Susies are coming to our pregnancy center. As you said, how mm-hmm. do we get them? We don't see them all. They might be going to a church. They right. might be popping into a church. And if somebody isn't there aware or they're going, oh, she's pregnant and she's single or whatever, you know, so making life disciples helps train people up for that too, to be the frontline connectors to those young ladies and men. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, you talked to me <laughs> recently mm-hmm. about um, how you you're making an effort to reach out to those men, right? and, yes. and we did. And you you told a story about you know, a young man who t- ultimately took his life because he couldn't handle um, the grief and shame, mm-hmm. regret of it. Um, so, where do most guys fall in this? So do you get to interact with a lot of guys all the way through? We we have just started our fatherhood program. Um, we're one of our goals this year is to beef it up, uh, to really build it out. 
Um, that's we, the right word too. Beef yeah. it up. <laughs> Beef up the guy that's, program. That's right. yeah. Strengthen it. <laughs> all man man adjectives. Um, <laughs> Uh, strengthen it, beef it up, build it out. Um, I'm I'm not going to do the Tim Tim grunt oh. right now. <laughs> okay, I did. <laughs> um, but but we we want to do that, and we're working on that. And I do have to report. Um, this is the first time it's really being reported. We have our our first graduate from our our shortened fatherhood program. Um, he was he went through a program. I'm not sure how many weeks he came, but he graduated. He went through all of the programs. He got twenty dollars in baby bucks, and he got a graduation book. And um, so we're really excited about that. The first guy we've had a number of guys come in, and then they they trail off for whatever reason. Um, so part of our beefing that up is having men available during the day when we're open to to be on site to be able to talk to guys because we have one male advocate. He comes in every other Thursday, and guys aren't just popping in on that every other Thursday and they can't always schedule for that every other Thursday. So if we can get a, a, a number of men to cover hours during the week, uh, that's what our goal is. Awesome. So first of all, what is the program? What is a, what is a fatherhood program look like? Uh, <laughs> and how do you get guys to buy into it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think part of it is giving them that voice that we mentioned earlier letting them know that their voice matters and just encouraging the man in them um kind kind of saying well what the show is gird up you know get ready you're a father you know some of them are excited about being dads but they can they share that with the girl because you know it's her mm. decision you know i'm i'm going to support her in whatever she ever way she feels well no tell her you you're excited to be a dad she's probably going to be excited then too maybe not but i'm guessing chances are yeah she's got like wow you're you're excited excited to be a dad we can do this together so i think that's a big part of it just giving them the voice uh giving them the respect um giving them the responsibility and and kind of pushing that on them um not not in a aggressive way but hey you're gonna be a dad or you are a dad you know is is it gonna be a dad for a lifetime or you know you know so so kind of messing with them a little bit that way but really putting some gentle pressure on manning up yeah and how do you do that what are the what are the magic words <laughs> i don't know i haven't gotten through my book <laughs> <laughs> but i you know i i have a daughter um so I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to tell a dad, but I, I think it's just saying, you know, how, what, what's important to you? Did you have a dad growing up? Would that be important to have, to be a dad for your, you know, if you didn't have a dad, what do you think about your child? How, how is your child going to feel about that? Um, maybe, you know, maybe we can stop this generational thing of fatherless, uh, children if we start giving dads that responsibility again yeah and and encouraging them not you know in a loving and but strong way encouraging them yeah it's like what what role are you gonna play in this kid's life yep and if you're really yep. gonna do that yeah and you, you didn't have that so how are you gonna avoid being like your dad is, mm -hmm. I and mean, that's a legit conversation to yeah. have and then hopefully our program will be able to help them start on that path of being the dad for the baby so is it like 
how to take care of a baby? Is mm-hmm. it, you know, like what, what is all entailed in this fathering program? <laughs> There's that word all I again. guess it's the all fatherhood entailed. program. They've already done the fathering. <laughs> the, the, what, okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the all encompassing you keep saying, I'm not sure, but I think, I think starting, um, they, there are dads coming to our parenting classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can split them out into like a dad thing where we're, you know, I, I kind of picked, you talked about a community center. I kind of picture a dartboard and two guys throwing darts and just chatting, you know, right. let, let's chat about being a dad. What, what's it going to take? What's, what, oh, yeah. what does it mean to you? Um, not that they shouldn't go to the parenting classes, but you know, is sitting in the parenting class with all the women the same, or do we have that? And, you know, one-on-one mentoring, uh, which that's where the fatherhood program comes in. Is, yeah. is the mentoring with other men who know what this is all about. I really like that because I don't remember don't remember where I heard this. I, it might even be a Dale Carnegie thing um, where he talks about the different the, how men and women tend to communicate. Mm. And this is a gross generalization. <laughs> but he talks about the idea that um, women communicate face-to-face and nose-to-nose and eyes-to-eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Like we sit here yep. and we look each other in the eye and this is how we communicate, which is right. very much a parenting class. Yep. Whereas men generally communicate shoulder-to-shoulder. Mm-hmm. Where you're standing next to each other, you're working on something, you're sitting on a bar stool, you're yep. driving, yep. you know, like you've got a project, you're watching a game, whatever it is, you're shoulder-to-shoulder, yep. shoulder, playing darts, right. you're shoulder-to-shoulder having that conversation between each other. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas... Um, and generally it's more of a conversation, whereas yep. a lot of times women will, um, they'll, they'll give the information that they want to give, whether, however it is, mm-hmm. and then they will receive and they give and receive. Whereas guys like, it's like the, uh, <laughs> the family circus, you yeah. know, the kids running around, you know, and, and you hit all the, I don't know. And that was obviously that's a gross generalization. Not everybody sure. does communicate that mm-hmm. way. Um, but in general, I, th- and I think a lot of guys would be more comfortable with that too. Mm-hmm. And frankly, the guys that find themselves in this situation, um, where they were, especially if they were planning on having an abortion that I, I would guess that that's a marker that the environment that they're living in is far more conducive to the abortion as far as like the attitudes and the conversations that are being had, um, are, I guess what I'm saying is they probably don't have somebody to stand shoulder to shoulder with and have that conversation. Right. Yep. Um, even if they wanted to. Right. So you're not only suggesting that the conversation ought to be had, you're then providing someone to have the conversation with. Yes. Yeah. I like yeah. that a lot. And that's, that's the fatherhood program Re- really kind of mentoring and, and walking them along. And, and a lot of, you know, statistically, I don't know what the statistics are, but Milwaukee is, is ravaged by fatherless um, families, the absentee dad is 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 <laughs> all over in Milwaukee. So if we can start mentoring young men on how to be a dad, that's an important key. Um, I don't know exactly how to do that and how many people we're going to touch, but that's our goal to yeah. start to start mentoring young Love men. It. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So, first of all, how do you get in? How did how do you end up this guy? You know, how did you become the administrator of a life, you know, a pro-life organization? If... 
That's a good question. Got to dig back a while. I've been doing this now for 19 years. Um, I started part-time. Um, it was actually a, um, advertisement in a bulletin, a bulletin blurb for a, a split position. My wife saw it, and do you want to hear the whole story? Yeah, I um, want to hear everything, man. I want to hear it all. <laughs> um, the so she she popped open the bulletin, and and at the time I was building a massage business. Um, I'm, I am a massage therapist, and I still do massage on the side a little bit um, because I like it and I'm good at it. Um, but at that time, my wife. Um, was having some health issues and we weren't able to afford insurance at all um, as I was building the business. So she was thinking about alternative So these are, these are issues that can't be solved with a massage, I guess. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> nope. uh, but she, she was looking for alternative um, options for us and that was me getting a different job. Um, not that the, the massage business was growing, but I was also working two and three part-time jobs trying to make ends meet. Um, and she was working part-time as well um, while I was raising my daughter. And my daughter was a priority in my life. Um, I did not, um, and, and it's my daughter from a previous marriage, mm -hmm. I did not want to be gone every night massaging or on weekends when, when she was with me. I wanted to parent her. Um, so the, the bulletin blurb was a split administration position administrate for Wells Lutherans for Life and an inner city mission. And my wife nudged me and said, hey, what do you think about that? And I said, I can't do that. Um, and I come from a background of working in a printing company, uh, inventory controls, um, shipping and receiving. And I was not an administrator. Do you ever, do you ever watch The Office? No, I so never really a paper got into company. It. As soon as you said like all that, man, <laughs> I just thought of the guys in the, in the warehouse at The Office. <laughs> that must be an interesting way. Anyway, go ahead. That might have been us. <laughs> so, so the following day, that Monday, um, I I saw I I went to a part time job and worked across the table with uh, another Wells person, and she she knew what was going on in my life because we could talk during work, and she said, "Hey, did you see that bulletin?" blurb. I think you should think about, you know, what do you think? And I was like, eh, you know, my wife suggested it. I, I don't know. That afternoon I went to a massage, uh, to do a massage. And that client was a regular, uh, client of mine. Um, wasn't a Wells person, but she knew what was going on in my life. And in the uh, conversation, she, I told her and she was like, well, that sounds interesting. You might want to, you know, then I went to pick up my daughter from school and a mom came across the parking lot and said, hey, did you see that thing in church yesterday? I think you need to do this. And I said, well, I, you know, I don't, and I don't really remember ever talking to her. Um, <laughs> how did she know me? I don't know. Um, I think it might've been a God thing, but I was kind of taken aback. And I said, well, I certainly will talk to my wife about it. Um, do me a favor and pray for me. She said, I already ha have been. And I went home and told my wife, I said, listen to what happened to me, you know, this person, this person, this person. And she, my wife kind of chuckled and leaned against the kitchen counter and said, well, are you going to keep being Moses and saying no, or are we going to try it? So I applied and the, through the process, they hired me to do this job. Um, it took me a while to get into administrating. I had to um, farm off most of my massage clients. I kept a few, 
But I learned about nonprofit management, and I, I went to the UWM, uh, UWM nonprofit management classes and got certified, and uh, that's kind of the history. So what did they, this is, I mean, I know I'm asking you, but <laughs> what did they see in you that was like, this is the guy for the job? Like, that there's multiple people approaching you and saying, you know, maybe it is just a God thing, but there's multiple yeah. people saying, like, you got to be the guy for this. I don't know. Um, I, I think it was a God thing. Um, I think God was pointing to me. It did. T- it turns out that the mom who approached me at the parking lot when I was picking my daughter up had been the pregnancy center director. So she knew, and she was a volunteer there at the time. So she knew exactly what they needed. Um, and but like I said, I don't remember ever really talking to her. So how did she know me and what gifts or talents I had to lend right. to this position, I don't know. But you must have a good name. <laughs> but so it obviously it served you you've it served you well and you've served them well yes. to be there for nineteen years. So what yes. is it you know what how do why is it a good fit for you? Well, my daughter is adopted. Um the daughter that I have from my previous marriage is adopted. Um I've always wanted a large family. I love children. I love people. Um, but I, I love children and I think that shows and just, I, I have a gentle nature, um, generally, and I think, um, I get along well with women for the most part. And I think that translates, especially to the pregnancy center. Um, other than that, I don't know, just God's grace yeah, <laughs> blessing me for this. Yeah. Well, and, um, well, first of all, do you do you ever have a hard time with somebody that comes in where you're just like really having a hard time having compassion on them? Like, I'm sure there are some people that wear you out. Yes. I'm sure. <laughs> um, and that, but that's different than somebody who comes in and they're like, is there any, do you ever struggle with that? Because I feel like mm-hmm. I would. I guess that's why I'm asking the question. Yeah, that's a good question. But again, I'm on the administrative side. I don't usually see the clients. Okay. Um, so I don't have to deal with that. And it's not that I don't, don't have to, um, because I am a man at the helm of a pregnancy center. I try to make myself a little scarce. Um, there was, there was a time when, um, I wasn't as careful and I, I went across the hall and a woman who was in the lobby saw me down the hall and I didn't know she was there. Um, I wasn't that aware about the, what happened at, at the other end of the hall. And the receptionist told me she got, the woman got up and started heading out the door and she caught her and said, what's the matter? Well, turns out the woman was there for post-abortion counseling and she was having ideas that men were following her and that I was one of those men that I was there mm. to keep track or something. So I, especially after that situation occurred, I really tried to make myself a little more scarce when it comes to clients. I'm not sure if that's always served me well, because I, I think I could um, relate well to our clients generally. Um, I'm not going to be in the counseling room working with them or consulting with them, but just greeting them and making them feel welcome or um, saying hi to the kids. And, and now where, where our offices are configured, I'm nowhere near the lobby any longer, but I'm just down the hall from our childcare room. So I do get to wander down the hall and say hi to the children. And sometimes when the moms are dropping them off or picking them up, I'll, I'll pop my head out my office door and say hi. Um, and I've gotten to know some of the moms, but there are parenting class parents, not 
a client off the street who's abortion minded or right. yeah. so so who connects do you connect with the guys or is there somebody else that connects with the guys we yeah. we have somebody else that's our our male advocate on every other thursday and he connects with the guys so so it's not like somebody comes in and immediately there's somebody to connect with the guy. Correct. He um, once you guys identify them as someone who's going to keep. Okay. Yep. Oh, and that, I would think you're that's wise. I I, I mm-hmm. no, I'm not criticizing. I don't mean <laughs> to sound like that at all. I yeah I yeah I never thought about that. Cool. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And and really being the president of the organization, my job is to make sure that the programs are running develop the programs and um, do the donor development right. and things to, to continue growing the organization so that we can be serving right. our population. Providing the people who are serving the people the opportunity to serve people. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's what Pastor Paul Steinberg <laughs> always says. Yeah. My mission is to give you a mission. Yep. And that, but that's exactly, that's sure. exactly it. Cool. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I also, I want to dive more into this because you said you're generally a gentle character, mm-hmm. right? And um, get along with women well. And um, not to say that I don't get along with women well. I don't. It's not like I'm just always at war with with women or anything. But well, remember, um, I am divorced. So. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so there's at least one. That <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So um, uh, so we we had a conversation off off, you know, before the mics were on about um homosexuality and transgenderism and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that someone had, had emailed me once about, it was a different, we were actually having a different conversation, but it tailed into that conversation about homosexuality and transgender and things. And, and he made the, he made the observation that a lot of times young men who choose to transition into being women or choose to, you know, manifest as women or whatever you want to say that mm-hmm. um, a lot of times they are blessed with these incredible spiritual gifts of compassion and the ability to relate with others and empathy and, and just kindness. Mm-hmm. And they look around themselves and they realize that the characteristics manifesting themselves in them, in them um, are generally feminine virtues. Okay. And they, mm-hmm. um, as like outside of the church, um, where masculinity isn't defined by scripture and isn't defined by Christ, mm-hmm. honestly, it's really easy to see how you would come to that conclusion where you'd say, I'm not a guy. Sure. Like, I, this is a mistake. I'm in the wrong body or whatever. It's easy to understand. Well, yeah, it's easy to understand how you come to that conclusion. Sure. I'm, I'm not one of those super masculine guys who's driving right. a hot car on a movie. Yeah. Yep. And, and, well, and, like, and, and I don't fit in with other guys mm-hmm. and you know, all that. And then if you then also... Um, um, for the most part, when, um, young men have been, uh, abandoned by a mm-hmm. father, um, so let's flip it the other way. A lo- most of the time when young men become homosexuals and they haven't, and they haven't experienced any sexual abuse, most of the time they have, um, suffered some sort of abandonment by their fathers, whether it's emotional or, you know, whatever it is. So actually you'll hear a lot of times, it doesn't surprise me when you hear, and I like not anybody specific, like in our circles, but when you hear, I, uh, you know, I got American Idol. There's a big story a couple of years ago where you have ministers who have, you know, sons who, you know, turn out to live a homosexual lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
it's really easy for somebody in a position like that as like a minister to be, you know, distant with their own children because they're just so busy all the time. Sure. Things, right. So mm-hmm. tying those connections together, um, that like when you have multiple, you know, triggers like that going on, it then becomes an, uh, think something you understand a little bit easier to, to, that they're struggling with it. Mm-hmm. So what we, the conversation was in the church, um, we do a really good job of condemning sin as well we should. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we often do, uh, well, we often have a really hard time doing, and this is with you know, young mothers, like teen mothers or mothers out yep, of wedlock. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do this with drugs and alcohol, and we do this with homosexuality and, and gender dysphoria. We do a really good job of pointing out that it's sin. We don't do a good job of actually caring for the heart and addressing the issues that's met because those aren't sins all by themselves. Like right. those aren't sins that just happen one day. Those mm-hmm. are sins that have, there's a path that's led to this point where it's evident that this is a problem, right? Sure. So if you have a kid who's, mm-hmm. you know, smoking weed and, and abusing alcohol and drugs, they're hiding from something, they're running from something, right? Uh, if you have a young lady who's pregnant, like there's, it's not like it's very unlikely, at least, that there was never any other anything that happened before. Just like one night, we went too far, mm-hmm. right? If you're having that conversation of we went too far, that means you're already doing things. You're already fooling around, right? right? And, and so, and and instead of just saying that was wrong, but we forgive you and let's, you know, that we we have to address the actual issues of the heart that are going on there Mm -hmm. and this is a really backwards and around (laughs) roundabout way to get to the point but we do a really bad job when we have young men who um are kind and compassionate and loving and tender who then are struggling with gender dysphoria because of the world that we live in would it not be better instead of saying kill those desires in yourself and man up would it not be better to say like look at christ and look at who he was and how he lived and and look at the men around you and you are one of these unique and wonderfully gifted young men who has the ability to relate mm-hmm. you know and you have these qualities that a lot of men really struggle their entire lives to develop and you just naturally have them mm-hmm. and and you're actually then pointing him back to, hey, this is part of your masculinity at your very core of being a man. Mm-hmm. You can be this wonderful blessing to people. And think about like what a wonderful father you will be and what a great husband you will be that you mm-hmm. can empathize that way because there's a lot of men that can't. Yep. Um, and so when you, that's exactly what I thought about when you pointed out that you are generally gentle and compassionate and you get mm-hmm. along well with others, right? <laughs> as I would put it in my first and second grade classroom, right? Yep. Um, how does that, I don't know where to go with that. I just, uh, I, it's an interest. It's interesting that you recognize that about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good thing. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk to that at all? Is this? Well, um, I, I don't, I don't think I'm a man's man. Um, I, th- not that I'm not man able, if that's a word. Um, I have strength. I'm old now, so I, I don't have as much strength as yeah, I used to. Yeah, but old man strength is a real thing too. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose if you, you have to have young man strength in order to have old man strength. Yeah. So I don't know. But <laughs> but but I so so I and and I'm I love hunting. Um, I'm an outdoorsy kind of guy. 
I farm chickens. Oh, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so fresh so, eggs. That's right. So it's it's not it's not a lack of guy, you know, the oh 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 at all. But it's it's also embracing the compassion, the the patience, um, and and patience. I guess part of it is for me knowing and realizing who I am in Christ, the patience part, that I, I need to be patient with people. I'm not always patient. Um, my name is Peter. Sometimes I fly off the handle a little too much <laughs> like the Bible Peter um, or too quickly. Um, but patience is is one of my virtues. It's, it's a strength. Um, people have told me that. Uh, my wife appreciates my patience. Um, but it, but also the just the tenderness that I have with children. Um, I I remember being my my mom helped me babysit um, a little baby, quite little, um, when I was I think I was ten, and my mom must have seen that in me and said, "Oh yeah, you know Peter can Peter could help take care of your child," um, and I you know I just I I have that ability. Um, and and God has blessed me with that, so I haven't shied away from it. Um, I I I mentioned I have a daughter. My wife has uh, two children. They were adults when we got married, but her daughter has blessed us with five grandchildren, and all of you know all of them were dear and still are dear to me. But uh, when they were little teeny ones, you know, I was hugging and holding and changing and you know all of that. Um, I didn't say, well, that's not a man's job or, you know, um, but I also play kind of rough with them. You know, I, as a grandpa, I, I was blessed to be able to do all of it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's more yeah. I can say. Well, and it's interesting that you say that you're not a man's man. I, I want to, why do you say that? <laughs> what makes you say that? I guess like, cause I don't know. I don't know if guys think hey pete come on over here you know um but i but i've been capable you know i you know <laughs> i i guess i guess it's a, yeah it's, it's, yeah. A, it's a sports thing when i was a okay so when i was a kid we had pickup baseball in our in our backyard um not our backyard but there was a school um and the the neighborhood kids got together and and um they i wasn't the last one chosen but i wasn't the first one chosen um, I wouldn't focus on the game, but I could hit pretty well and I could throw and run really well. So they th stuck me out in left field and I'd, I'd chase balls and I'd throw them to second base. And, you know, I was, I was good. But then when we were waiting, you know, on, on the inside and waiting to bat, I wasn't paying attention. I was over there talking to the girls and, you know, kicking bicycle tires and the guys would, would have to say, hey, get over here. It's your turn to bat. You know, right. so, you know, I, I don't, I'm I'm just not a guy's guy kind of thing. Um, so I don't know. I'm 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 a very unique person, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that lends itself then too. Like like you said, you get along well with women, and, and you mm -hmm. do have you know qualities that are generally feminine, right? And that doesn't mm -hmm. I don't know. So <laughs> you mean like a beard? <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, so I don't know. That didn't. It surprised me that you said that. Because that's not the way I perceive you at all. Okay. As not being, you know, one of the guys. So do you have a lot of like male friendships and relationships or not? Not a lot. But I don't okay. have a lot of female friendships and relationships either. I know a lot of people. Yeah. I guess this and I I was talking to a friend, uh, one of my staff people today about this. Um, 
that I, I wish I had more deeper relationships with a few people. Um, but I have, I, I feel like I'm a, more of like a butterfly touching the, the flower rather than really drinking from the nectar. Um, so I'm, I'm, I've, I've touched a lot of flowers and, but I'm not drinking from a few deeply that that's if, if that yeah, makes sense. No, absolutely. So, so I, and, and she said, well, every time I see somebody on your Facebook, I'm like, he knows her. How does he knows all the, all sorts of people? She's got, he's got thousands of friends. And I, I said, yeah, I know people and I know things about people. Um, cause I've built my memory. My, my memory is pretty good. And I think about people and I pray about people. I'm a Barnabas. I'm an encourager and I love people. Again, it's back to, back to loving people. Um, and the, I, I guess I, I don't, because of my jobs, both massage and working a lot for Lutherans for Life, I don't have tons of time to build deep relationships. Yeah. And the friends that I have that I have had deep relationships are also very busy people. So we don't, we don't get together a lot. And it's hard to build deep relationships when you don't really relate with each other so much. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so yeah. um, I, I, I think it's a time in my life that that's the way it is. Um, and I spend time with my wife. I love my wife and I, I love to spend time with her. And we like to, to spend time together in the yard and, you know, with my chickens and things like, you know, doing stuff together. Um, but we don't have, I don't have the time with, to build other deep relationships. Yeah. And we also have, you know, spend time with our children and grandchildren. So, right. and that takes you away from time with other people. Well, yeah. And, and um, you, you mentioned earlier that you, you have one daughter, you don't have any mm -hmm. sons either. And I think that like, as you get older, I think that is something that is a cool relationship, like a father, son relationship where mm -hmm. you, you know, you, it's not, it's not like a, it's not the same friendship as, as others, but it is that companionship at a very deep level sure. as well. Yep. So it, I, it's interesting that you say that too, because I do have in, two in particular deep, strong friendships. Um, but you know, they're on right now. One of them's at the seminary right now. And mm -hmm. so we do like we, we get, but even we still don't get together as much as we should, <laughs> but like we, we, so we're able to connect and actually be together in person, mm -hmm. you know, fairly often um which who knows where i'll be at the end of the year right right the other one is is out of state right mm -hmm. and um like i do genuinely just crave relationship with him mm -hmm. and, I, and i'm honest with him about that all the time too just like man i do miss you you know and mm -hmm. yeah. and you know and we even to the point where we tell each other we love each other yeah. and like we'll introduce confuse people by introducing each other as brothers like hey okay. this is my brother like you don't have a brother <laughs> yeah well this is my brother you know and uh um yeah i but I don't know what I would. And so technology makes it really easy. Not really easy. Technology makes it a lot easier to stay connected with those mm -hmm. guys where we can, you know, have like book club and talk sure. about a book we're reading together and, yep. and call each other on the phone and have those conversations and do those things. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know what I would do without technology because I, I kind of feel the same way in my daily life where, um, I have I was I'm blessed enough to have two deep rooted, um, strong male friends who just are in every corner of my life and I'm in every corner of theirs. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing 
there's nothing hidden, yeah. right? Um, but should I lose one of them, heaven forbid, right? Mm-hmm. Or should you know the situation change and we can't like we like we have? I like there are guys around. Like I got friends in in the city, but not like that. And sure. I don't. And I think you're right too. It's just it's a time. It's a struggle to get there. Mm-hmm. But it's also something I deeply crave and acknowledge that I need. Yep. Um, and like it's and it's interesting because it can't you can't just like pick somebody and be like that's the one like it has to be at least so- somewhat <laughs> genuine. Yeah. Right. It's got to be organic. Yeah. It yeah. has to be. That's the word I was looking for. It has yep. to be organic. Yep. Um. And and so part of it I think is finding the right guy for you, mm-hmm. which sounds so weird to talk about it that way, but it's real. Like you have yeah. to find a good fit. Yep. Um, and then putting in the time and the effort to do that. And mm-hmm. I, I, I love the stories I hear about guys who like, they'll buy two houses on the same block yep. you know, like, and intentionally live <laughs> that way. Right. Yep. Or, um, there's a family I know who had, there's four brothers mm-hmm. and they bought together, they bought a farmstead and they, you know, there were two houses on the farmstead yeah. and then they built two more. Okay. And the four of them all live right there and they're like, cool. they all have the same address and everything. <laughs> they have one big massive mailbox and the whole shebang. Right. <laughs> It's, it's awesome. It's so cool. Yep. Um, but I don't have that, right? right. And so how do you build that? And I, 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 mm-hmm. I'm a lot lo- younger than you are, um, which like part of, it's, part of me says, oh, I got plenty of time, right? Mm-hmm. But the other part of me says like there's a whole lot of time before I have freedom if I ever do like true freedom from work to right. actually build a relationship like that. I don't know. Yep. It's just something. What do you think? What do you yeah. think about friends? Obviously, friends are important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I have, I have one, I would say my best friend. Um, we don't get together often. We call not too often either. Our plan is to always go turkey hunting in the spring. Okay. That's our plan. It hasn't, it doesn't always happen every other year, maybe every three years, but that's our plan. So Mm -hmm. at least every year we're intentionally trying to do something. It looks like it's going to come together this year. (laughs) So I'm hoping to, I'm hoping that we'll have two nights together and we'll crack some beers and, and really dig in and right, have yeah, some fun sure. and, and both get a Tom. And, and really so, being intentional about it is the thing too. Like, you yeah. know, um, there are so many guys that just like sit at a table, like sit across the table with the other four mechanics at the shop. Right. Mm-hmm. And they talk about sports <laughs> yep. and women and beer for 30 years um, and you think about the amount of time they've spent <laughs> together and they've never gone below like just the, mm-hmm. like the very surface. Right. Like they've never even, you know, like there's nothing. Right. And they, they may not even know that. need that. Yeah. May not know? even know they know Jesus. Right. Yeah. Which, which is the saddest part. Right. But yeah. 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 And, and this friend at least, you know, and, and we are very close, but. And we pick up about where we've left off, but there's too many gaps. You know, yeah. we aren't deepening, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm hungry for yeah. is that deeper relationship with, like you said, knowing every corner. You yeah. know, it's it just we don't have the time for that anymore. So um, what do we do about that? I don't know. What do we do? <laughs> well, no, this is a it's a cop out, but heaven is eternal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a cap out. <laughs> it won't matter anymore then. We'll be there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> the point is getting there. Right. Yeah. That's, and and yeah. walking with each other on the way. Yeah. And I think that that's where this came from, from our mentoring, the mentoring program. 
how do we do that? And, and I guess the, um, I might have more answers for you about the mentoring program if I was doing better in my life with mentoring. Yeah, I, um, fair enough. So, you know, I, I have three, three grandsons and two grand, well, four. My daughter has a little boy, one and a half years old. My stepdaughter's uh, grandchildren are two daughters and three sons. So um, only one of them really wants to hunt with me. Uh, so so there's only one oh, 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 guy. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I try to build relationships with them and help mentor them too, um, as much as a grandpa should and could. Right, yeah. Um, and that takes time too. For sure. So... For um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I don't have the answers. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what we try and do is, is talk often. And for a long time, we had like a scheduled conversation mm-hmm. with, with, I did with each of those two guys. Um, and we've gotten away from that just because like one of them has a baby and mm-hmm. the other one um, was really like gone back to the really intense school. Okay. So like, it, so stuff gets yep. in the way, right? Yep. Um, and, uh, I, I also have gone out of my way to foster some other friendships and, mm-hmm. you know, get the ball rolling. Like, it sounds so <laughs> weird to talk about it that way, yeah. but really like we, we gotta have friends, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, but so that was a big thing is talking on the phone, mm-hmm. um, and, and being in person as much as possible, mm-hmm. uh, within reason, obviously like, so sure. it can't get in the way of their marriages, it's, which isn't an issue for me at the moment, but like. <laughs> not get in the way of their marriages or their relationships or their responsibilities. They're both, you know, called workers. So getting into, you know, not interfering with any of that. Um, but just getting FaceTime together and being able to, to talk through stuff and hash stuff out, um, and be together. Um, but those phone calls too are, are important, but it's just not the same, but that, I, that, that you think that's what we do. And then when we are also intentional about often getting together as often as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough one because our culture is, doesn't, I mean, we're American, we're busy. Yeah. I mean, just true. Life keeps us busy. Um, I don't know if I don't know if it would be any different if I was in a European nation or not, but <laughs> yeah. Well, and at what point do you say, you know, heaven is more important. My relationships on earth are more important, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it also in position, like I, I teach at a Christian school, work for a Christian church. You're running mm-hmm. a pro-life organization. Yep. You know, like there, there really are lives and souls at stake in our work. Right. At what point do you take a step back and say, you know, the, like I need to foster these relationships instead. And these mm-hmm. are things that are important to me. And, yeah. and there are, there will always be things to get sacrificed. Sure. Um, and I think it's also, it's not just a one-sided thing. It's not just what I can do. It's, it's also, if, if my buddy, who's also a called worker, my turkey hunting buddy's a called worker, super busy, you know, yeah. and he works evenings too, because that's part of his call. Um, we just don't have the time. Right. Um, and there are other factors in his life that are keeping him super drawn away and busy also. Right. Um, so it's not just his work and my work, it's the rest of life that gets in the way. Um, so I, I, I'm as much as I desire that deeper relationship with, with anybody, mm-hmm. him especially, but other people, and there's a number of other people that I've have, have deeper relationships with, but we're, it, they're just not nurtured. Yeah. It's the nurturing, I guess, I guess developing other relationships and, and ultimately then, um, you know, just thinking, 
this is totally, totally just off the top of my head, thinking about Jesus and his disciples, they had closeness for their three years, his three years on earth. He had his, his three tight ones, um, but they spent all their time together. They were ministering together. Um, I don't have that luxury. Yeah. But their work was sowing the gospel, you mm-hmm. know, sharing. The, and that's what my work is. And that's, that's what my life is. I'm involved in church. Um, I'm in my church's leadership. And even at church, that's my goal isn't to develop relationships. It's to help grow the church and to grow, you know, to share the gospel and, you know, get more people involved and, you know, loving Jesus. So it's not, I'm, I'm not going to church to be selfish and it's, it's all about me and my relationship. Um, so it's even h- tough there yeah. to, to develop relationships. So, well, and the easy pushback is would not strong relationships within the church draw more people in? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, and is, and, and is, yes. is especially recognizing, recognizing that brotherly relationships like relationships with other men who love Jesus Mm -hmm. are vitally important to my own faith. Um, so then I I also acknowledge that by building relationships with other men, I am also growing, not only growing in my own faith, but helping someone else to grow in their faith. Mm -hmm. And the stronger your faith is, the more lives you can touch. Like the, the more powerfully you let Christ work in you, mm-hmm. the more powerfully Christ will work through you. Through you, um, mm-hmm. which is the thing too. I, yeah, I, I think a lot of churches do a really mediocre. <laughs> not, I won't say bad. <laughs> they do a really mediocre job of um, we do we, we do we all of our attention goes outward mm-hmm. and not all, to each other, right? Sure. And so we talk yeah. about you know we want more people to come to church. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, but we're not shepherding the people that are here now what is going to draw people ultimately what so there are so many places to get the gospel Mm -hmm. there's so many places to get jesus what is ultimately going to connect people in a way that they're going to stay is a connection to other people alongside christ it's relations yeah (laughs) again back to relationships yeah yet yet for me as you're talking, the deeper relationships come, you know, it, I'm, I'm not going to put a, a bulletin or a, a dartboard up at church. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to relationship that way necessarily. But in Bible class, in my former church, we had a, a pretty strong Bible class, Sunday morning Bible class, and we as families bonded. We had relationships. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't seem to be taking in my current church right um and that that saddens me because you know i want i want to that's where i want to build the relationships um and and that's where most of the relationships would be built i think you know it's it's not in in doing a program which is outreach like you're saying it's not it's not doing the out stuff it's the in stuff and really digging into god's word together exposes those corners that you mentioned yeah and that's where you get to intimately know people and now reflecting that's where my good turkey hunting buddy and i developed our our relationship they were part of that sunday morning bible class yeah um interesting 
Yeah. I, I hadn't ever really connected that. Yeah. But, but yeah, that I, I Bible class to me, Sunday morning Bible class is in, in a church with members is one of the keys for me in building the church. But if people aren't drawn to attend Bible class, you can't really break their arm and drag them in because that's not going to build relationship. And how, how, you know, how do you do it? I don't know. Um, I pray that more people come to the Bible class. I'm going to just like (laughs) grab one of Jesus analogies and run with it. Right. So if um, the head, it might be Paul. Jesus or Paul, mm-hmm. but like where he's talking about like, what if the eye said to the ear, you know, what if the eye said to the hand, why don't I do what you do? You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and they all were in disagreement and everything. So taking that idea and going <laughs> further. So like if we are the body of Christ, right? Yep. If we're the hands and feet and, and eyes and mouth and everything of Christ, right? Yep. Um, if that is the case. So imagine then like your pinky finger. Mm-hmm. So a relationship is give and take, right? So there's, right. I'm pouring into you, you're pouring into me. Yep. So imagine there's blood flowing into your pinky, but not out of your pinky. How do you get... Okay, no, let's say <laughs> let's say there's no blood flowing, draining from your pinky. Your, your pinky is just turning purple. Okay. How do you restore blood flow to the pinky? You have to get more blood in there, right? Okay. So <laughs> think about it. If it's, if it's people aren't buying it. Like, so um, Christ describes us as the body of Christ. And, and I'm mm-hmm. again, I'm not being critical of you in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> this is just thinking out loud, and this yep. is the conversation we're having. So I'm, I'm okay so um, far. Okay, sorry. I, I really don't want to. Okay. Um, so let's think. If a congregation is a body, if a, mm-hmm. or a body, body of believers is a body, right? Yep. yep. Um, it's really easy to say, you know, like so-and-so just doesn't want to be part of the body anymore. Mm-hmm. But can you just be like, yeah, my big toe doesn't want to be part of the body anymore. <laughs> like what you go to the hospital, right? Yep. And you address that. Um, and and okay. we, like you said earlier that the, the church is the hospital for souls. Right. Right. And this is, this soul is a part of my body. Like my, my lower arm mm-hmm. isn't working. Yep. I'm not going to be like, guess they don't have a lower arm anymore. <laughs> you go and deal with the problem, right? And, and mm-hmm. sometimes I love the way, I love the way, um, like it was Gordon Dalby in Healing the Masculine Soul, I think, uh, where he talks about the idea of um, in order to heal, you know, if you have a heart attack, mm-hmm. the way you heal a heart attack is you take a knife and a hacksaw and you cut the person open and take it out. Um, and if it's some guy, if it's a, some farmer in a field with a chainsaw, you know, he's going to do more damage than good, but a skillful and benevolent doctor who has the tools and has the equipment and has whatever mm-hmm. it yep. can cut with a knife and it will cause a significant amount of pain and damage, but it will in the end restore life. Right? Okay. Yep. And the same thing, like if you have a compound fracture in your arm, the only way you're ever going to make the pain go away is by causing significantly more pain and mm-hmm. putting it back, right? Yep. And that idea of, um, so we have these broken relationships with other people who are in the body of Christ. The only way to heal those broken relationships is to take get the scalpel, you know, and get to work. As painful as that might be. And you said you can't really twist somebody's arm to come back. 
And no, you can't force them to come back, but mm-hmm. you can shepherd them and get in up. This is what we don't do. We don't go get up in their lives and say, what's going on and why aren't you here? And there's something as you were in church every Sunday for the last 16 years, and now you're not. Mm-hmm. We say they drifted away. They're not being drifted away. They're being enticed away, clubbed and beaten and dragged to hell. Yep. And we need to look at it that way and not as, yeah. Yep. That perspective <clears throat> and, and when that perspective of recognizing the fact that we live in a spiritual realm and that the devil is active and wicked Mm -hmm. and that God is benevolent and loving and all powerful and good. And he's standing there waiting. He stands at the door and knocks. And if you answer the door, he will eat with you. Why don't you say, dude, the doorbell's ringing, you know, like (laughs) why we, we get lulled. That's the work of the devil too. We get lulled into sleep when we think Mm -hmm. that it's, they're drifting away. Like, why aren't we panicking? Right. We're, they're yeah. losing their souls. Yeah. They're losing an eternal life. Right. Why don't we, why aren't we tripping out over this? You know? Well, we, I guess we kind of are at our church. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. And <laughs> but, it's a good but thing. The, but, but the sad thing is they aren't responding. That's, yeah. that's what, and that's what I mean about our, our Bible right. class. It's, they, they may come, start coming to church spotty, yeah. but they, they don't want, they don't, it doesn't seem they want the deeper relationship that with Jesus and God or us that Bible class offers. Right. It's like come to yep, you know, I'll come to church. I'll I'll probably arrive late. I'm gonna run right away, so I'm not gonna get to talk to you, or you're not gonna get to talk to me. So we you know, if they're just a service hopper, we're not gonna develop relationships. Um I'm glad they're coming, but you know, let's get deeper. Let's, you know, but right. if, you're, if you're not going to stick around for a cup of coffee and chat, how are we going to develop a relationship? Yeah. And again, relationships are two-sided. It's not just, you know, I can, I can go knock on their front door and tick them off and then they might not right. come to church yeah. again. But so, so we are, we are trying to do that, but that's the, that's what I'm trying to say is yeah. the, the Bible class is the, is, is where the deepness comes in that relationship. Worship together is good. Um, and necessary, and we should worship together, but that's not where the deeper relationships are right. are going to occur. Well, and, and I think you also make a good point. You say, um, again, it's a the, it's the cheap. An- you gave a great answer. You said, "I can't go knocking on their door, door and annoy him. It's probably not going to bring him back. It's going to bring him back spotty and you know whatever." Mm-hmm. But the reality is, there is someone there if they're at this church mm-hmm. most likely if they're still coming there is someone there who is the right person to go and knock on that door and it's a sign of a cultural again not just commenting on your church churches in general and right. observations of churches in general mm-hmm. there's a cultural problem where it's not the expectation of everyone like you're my friend you're not here I need to go get you and bring you here. And right. if you won't come here, I need to go be with you until you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's really easy. Like one of my dad, my dad's church, they do bread calls. And that's wonderful mm-hmm. and it's great and it's good. Um, but they've even recognized, like, it's one thing to have an elder sitting at your table. It's another thing to have a friend who you ha- do know intimately mm-hmm. sitting across the table from you saying, man, I'm worried about your heart. Um, and... and Sometimes the best you can do is send an elder, you know, yep. but wouldn't the expectation, if we could build a culture, a church culture where the expectation was that 
I am my brother's keeper that I, you know, we're in this together and you're, you know, if that was the attitude we could build and a culture we could actively, mm-hmm. you know, yep. cultivate. Like that's the picture painted in scripture is of that kind of a culture. Right. right. And that's what you see among the 12, even mm-hmm. un, up to the hours before, maybe even less than an hour before Judas is betraying Jesus. Jesus is saying, Judas, mm-hmm. you don't have to do this. Right. Yep. And then finally, I know what you're going to do. It's God's will that this must be done. Go and do what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in that, it's love, and he's already forgiven him. Like he's already pronou- in saying this must be done. This is the will of the Father even. He's already pronouncing forgiveness. He does the same thing for Peter. He's saying, you will deny me, yep. <laughs> but you are the one on whom I'll build the church. You know, There will be restoration in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that kind of a culture, I mean, he's the, he is the author and perfecter of the faith, so we can't quite do it as well as he did. But if that model and that kind of a culture, mm-hmm. could we build it in a church? Yeah. Man. It's something to work toward. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And again, it's all relationships. Yeah. You know, and, and Jesus had the relationship with them. And like you said, somebody in the church has to have a relationship with somebody. Right. It's not just me or you, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, yeah. But how do you build the relationship if somebody, again, one person doesn't want the relationship? Right. It's a two-sided thing. Right. So. Well, and I actually, I, I would push back again and say, there's a person there. They might not mm-hmm. want the relationship with the church, but if they're there, they were at some point there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And most likely there is someone who they do have a relationship with that can speak into their life at that level. Sure. But when you're sending, you know, I mean, hopefully everybody has a good relationship with their pastor or at least has a relationship with their pastor, but mm-hmm. the pastor has to have a relationship with 300, right. 400 people, you know, yep. Yep. sometimes more. Yep. Um, and so when pastor who you do know and he knows the names of your kids and stuff, mm-hmm. but, you know, you've never, you know, or, or an elder who you've seen in front of church and he shakes your hand and things, but like you don't know where his son's going to college and you don't know whatever. And he doesn't know where you, he had to look up your address, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that conversation is, they can be incredibly loving and and compassionate with you. And, but they don't, it's, it's really hard to convince someone who's already given up on the faith or who is already struggling in faith that they should pursue the faith. um, If you don't have an intimate picture of what's going on in our hearts you know but so like if you have like for example the most successful um catechism classes right the ones who they get confirmed together and then they're they are like you'll have in general you'll have like a catechism class where all 13 members or 10 of the 13 members of that catechism class are still there 20 years later Mm -hmm. or it's like one or two who were faithful right who like the Part of the reason they're all still there is that they're all still there. Yeah. Like they've never experienced a church then where they didn't know at least eight other people from the time they were kids. Right. Uh, and, and that like that's an important, and I don't know. So you got to build that somehow. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. Cool. Well, <laughs> so the two big questions I got to ask everybody that's on the show. All right. Um, first of all, if you could go back and talk to your 18 year old self for a few minutes, what would you say <laughs> to your 18 year old self? Oh, that's a tough one. 
I've been meaning to think about this actually, because <laughs> <laughs> I just read something about that. That um, what would I tell my eighteen-year-old self? Let me think about it. What's the second yeah. question? Second question is what makes a Christian man? Which also I want to hear what you said because you said you're not a man's man. So I want to hear what what makes a Christian a man. Christian like what, man. what makes a man? All right. I got that one, I think. <laughs> I think a uh, Christian man, um, there, there's a, a great degree of vulnerability. Um, self-realization of who he is in Christ, um, that he's a, a broken vessel and only, only glued back together, built up by the, by the creator, um, by Jesus through the Holy spirit. That's a Christian man. Um, somebody who realizes and is vulnerable enough to say it. Um, and that, I think that gets back to relationships, being able to say it, you know, this is who I am. Um, take take it or leave it, but this is who I am. I, I am uh, a sinful creature. And uh, only because of Jesus, this is who I am. Um, I think that's, that's a Christian man. Um, strong, loving, compassionate, people-focused, not self-focused. Um, and somebody who wants to share Jesus with the world. That's what I would say a Christian man is. Yeah. That's what I think. The two that stick out to me that you said are strong and vulnerable. Can you define those or mm-hmm. or like so yeah, first define them. What does it mean to be vulnerable and what does it mean to be strong? Vulnerable um again, being able to um admit things. Um knowing that I don't know everything, that I can't do everything, um, that I, I am incapable of being all that I should be, especially spiritually. That's the, the main vulnerability. And strong in, strong in the word, knowing Jesus, knowing he's my rock, and it's, it's only because of him that I can do what I can do and what I should do. Um, not not strong in a gym kind of way or a football kind of way. Um, strong in a, a strong Christian character. How do you recognize strong? Like, what does that look like? What does strong uh, Christian character look like? <laughs> I think it goes back to uh, loving, compassionate, uh, people focused. I think it's all there. I. Uh, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like in practice, what does a mm-hmm. strong man look like? Can't Cause you can be patient and not mm-hmm. strong. You can be compassionate and loving and not strong. Yep. So what does in practice, what does a loving Christian mm-hmm. man look like? No, that's a tougher one. <laughs> Let's go back to the 18 year. No. <laughs> um, well, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be in church because he's going to need to be fed by the word. Um, otherwise he's, he's not plugged into his strength. Mm -hmm. That's where the strength lies in God's word in realizing and worshiping God. Um, 
how do you how do you see it? Well, I don't know. Uh, a story. I like stories. I have a friend. Um, he is a called worker, but he's he's a big big guy. He's a strong guy, um, and he, he got in. He was going out fishing, and somebody rear-ended him when he was get, taking his boat to the lake and messed him up pretty bad and messed up the boat pretty bad. And he got out of the car, and he didn't flare off. He uh, realized that guy probably is having a pretty bad day, <laughs> and he was like, you know, just kind of talked with him. Um, wow, what a strong Christian man. Yeah. What, a, what a witness for Jesus. Um, he could have been, oh my, you just ruined my day. I was going to go catch the biggest salmon in the lake and, you know, but he didn't, he just, he just kind of chilled and, you know, he, he took, took a step back and what does the situation really call for? It calls for some love in Jesus. Um, I think he's a strong Christian man. He was, I, I always admired him. Um, that's just one example. I think, I think, what does it look like? It could look like a lot of different things. Um, you ask a lot of different strong Christian men, they're going to give you different answers. Um, and that, I think that goes right back to the relationship thing. Um, different people require different relationships. Different people require different things. And we're not all one person. We're not all the same. So, yeah. Yeah. Spot on. What about vulnerability? What does vulnerability look like in practice? <laughs> oh, when when I got married to my second wife, um, the love of my life, I teased her a lot. That I learned, I and I can't remember exactly how I said it. Now we've been married almost twenty three years, but I said, um, and I and I teased teased this around the group of single people that we. Um, that a, a husband should always say, yes, dear, I'm sorry, dear. It was my fault, dear. That's vulnerable. <laughs> um, being man enough to accept the responsibility, um, and not have to shift the blame or even call out the blame. Um, just let it go. And, and if it's my fault, I'm going to admit it right up. Um, and, and my wife knows that too. Um, if, if, if I know something, I know something. If I don't know something, I'm going to admit it right away. It doesn't matter. If I do something and it's a boof, I'm going to admit it right away. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to couch it. I don't have to, you know, it's not going to take any, um, any wood off of my shoulders. If, if something happens and, oh, I've got to be, I have to look like the man. Nope. I'm going to take it. Just that I did it wrong and it's my fault. Um, and I, and why shift it to somebody else? Um, it's not going to work anyway. Right. So I think that's vulnerable. Yeah. Well, and, and I would also um, push that um, I think there are a lot of recliner husbands mm-hmm. who say, you know, yes, dear, no, dear, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. But mm-hmm. don't act on that. Like it's more than saying the words; it's yep. living it out. Sure. You know, yep. and and that um, was that was kind of the joke, right? Early yeah, on. absolutely. Like how to how to have a happy marriage? Those three things. But it's the acting; it's the doing it, not just saying it. Well, and recognizing yeah. your place in the created order too, and saying, 
things are going wrong in this family. It is my responsibility. I mm-hmm. am accountable to Heavenly Father. So when this isn't going right, I can actually say, my, this, is yeah. me, this is on me. Yep. And, and like, <laughs> our relationship isn't right. It's on me. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our things are happening with our kids. Or even sometimes like you're having, you know, not in, not I don't like to use the word inappropriate in this particular case, but you're having, you know, interactions with our kids that aren't good and healthy and right. Mm-hmm. That's on me to address and, and and recognizing that 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 is my role as a husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it gets real easy for me to say in my bachelor pad, <laughs> but it's it's also true. And, and that vulnerability of I'm never going to get it right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and recognizing that and dealing with that and making that a daily part of, you know, I'm never going to get it right. So every day I ask for forgiveness and I yep. ask Jesus that today is the day that I get it right. And then yep. recognize that I'm not going to, but I'm going to do give it my shot, you know. Yeah. And, and, that, and that goes right back to knowing who you are in Christ. Absolutely. That's, that's the that's the basis. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and, and recognizing that, you know, David said, in God, I trust and I'm not afraid. What can man do to me? Mm-hmm. Like that, all of our secrets are all about what we're, we're not hiding anything from God. Right. So all secrets are from other men. Mm-hmm. They're from other humans. Right. <laughs> what can they do to me that has any eternal impact? In fact, I, I used to say this a lot on the podcast. I haven't for a long time, but I like got those really stressful days where like, man, they're taking years off my life right now. Or like you get in an accident, you have difficulties and your body's breaking down. A legitimate way a Christian could look at that and be like, Jesus is bringing me ever closer. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's, he figured I couldn't use that whole 90 years. He wants me in 72. He doesn't <laughs> want me in 98, you know? Yep. Yeah, like he, he's, he's like, it's actually a blessing that's drawing me closer to that door to eternity yep. where I finally get to leave this veil of tears or on the other side where we're supposed to be. We're yeah. not, this isn't my home. Mm-hmm. I don't, shouldn't be comfortable here. Yep. Like I'm <laughs> supposed to be on the other side. So when things are difficult and hard and when like the type of thing that we usually try and hide from everybody else, it's because you know, it's self-preservation, right? Sure. But this preservation, like I'm supposed to die to self. Mm-hmm. Let it go. You know, yep. Uh, we got to come back to that 18-year-old question. Yes. What would you say to your 18-year-old self if you had him in a room? <laughs> Primarily, don't get married yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I think I think it would be learn a lot more. Just just learn a lot more, don't just do um and be more patient. I don't know if I was patient back then. I am now. I I think I I wasn't aware of my situation and I was in a rush to get somewhere. And I would, I would say that was probably, that's probably the biggest thing that I can think of right now. But in long term, um, the, the main thing would be get to know Jesus more sooner. Read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. That would that would solve a lot more yeah. problems yeah. that I that I've dealt with and that I've seen that other people have dealt with. Not not saying that um, the Bible prepares you for everything, but it prepares you for everything. So if yeah. you, if that if that makes yeah, sense, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It doesn't say... There isn't a, a section of scripture that's dedicated to internet porn. Right. But he does prepare us for the temptations we're going to face. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. There's one thing just popped in my head, and I want to address it. Is um, You said you know, a, a, a man who's connected to Jesus is going to be in church, and you're absolutely right. Um, but I always, always would also stress alongside that he's in the Word, and being in the Word isn't just being in church. No. It's a small part of a massive relationship with my Heavenly Father that's all-encompassing. Right. And obviously, um, you would hope that being in church is a symptom of having a great relationship with your Heavenly Father. Um, or, but or I a always result of right, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But I always, I always hesitate to stop there. I, I never like to stop there. So right. That's why and no, I, I fully support that thought. And that's where the, again, the relationship of church is church is good. Too many people spend only that hour with God during the week, and I think the symptom of that is that they come too late and leave too soon to develop a relationship with other Christians that they are brothers and sisters with in the faith, in the church, where the depth of relationship and the vulnerability and the the nectar that I was talking about, that's where you get that, where you can help each other grow and learn and anchor in the word because of the word and you're gathering around it and then encouraging each other to stay in the word. So, so, so I, I totally agree. The church and Bible class are just a portion of, but I think the, and, and I might be too critical having, having people in Sunday morning Bible class. Um, it's just too easy to not. Yeah. Cause, eh, I the Packer games, you know, I got to go get ready for the Packer game. I've got people coming over or um I I have to sleep late on Sunday or whatever and 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 that's not that's not um dismissing Bible classes during the week. Mm -hmm. Um but there's something about gathering around the word and and for us the Bible class occurs before worship. So gathering around God's word, learning and studying and digging in, encouraging each other and then worshiping the God who desires or deserves all worship is just, to me, it's amazing. Um, so, and then that spurs a week long of, you know, maybe I could do this or, the, you know, so, but yeah, it's, it, we need to be in the word a lot more. And yeah. that's, that's what I should tell my 18 year old self. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, I really enjoyed sitting down and talking to you. Well, You're, thank you. I, 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 what I love and respect about you more than anything else is that uh, you just make people around you comfortable. You are genuinely pleasant to be with and easy to talk to. Well, and that you. is a reflection of Christ's love. And that's absolutely the truth. So. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate and that. You're well suited to what you do because of it. So <laughs> Awesome. Uh, if people want to contact you or be in touch with you or find out more about the work that you do, mm -hmm. where, can they, where can they find that information? Wells Lutherans for Life. The website is alife2.com. A as in a life, L-I-F, not S, E, the number two dot com. And that stands for the baby in the womb is alife2.com.
Awesome. My name is Peter. Peter at A Life Two. Reach out. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks for being on. It's been a pleasure. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.